Um, we're in our Why God series, answering the big questions of life, the Why God questions. And I just want to encourage you, there are so many questions that we could choose from. And we have three campuses, if you don't know that. So make sure to get our... Um, our app, and you can listen to all the messages preached at all the campuses so you don't miss out on any of the questions that are being answered. Um, and you may have the answers, but I think we can always be more equipped to answer other people's questions. So, and I know we did a similar series last year around this time in April. I would even encourage you to go back to then and listen to those questions that we answered because even if we did this series for six months, we would never answer everybody's questions. Um, I remember last year I preached a message on... It was called Imperative Priorities, about um, church attendance and do we make our children go to church and all those kinds of things. So if you're in that position right now, parents, I encourage you to, to find that message um, and it'll really encourage your heart. So, so why God? I thought I was going to try to answer three questions today. But then when I started diving in, I realized how complex these questions actually can be. So I'm answering one one question. And my, <laughs> and my one question is one of the top questions that people ask. Why does God put a dream in your heart and then not have it come to pass? So why does God put a dream in your heart and then not have it come to pass? So before we dive in, I'm going to write through, uh, read through three scriptures really quickly. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, us being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. So let's pray. God, I just pray that you would help me deliver this word as you've had me prepare it. Lord, that I would have a clear mind and uh, it would fall upon open ears, open hearts, and that it would change people today in Jesus' name. Amen. So if God wants to give us good things, if God's plan for us is to prosper and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future, and if he wants all of these things for us, he wants to give us the desires of our heart, why so often do we not experience those desires coming to pass in our lives here on earth? But before I attempt to answer the question, I think we need to determine whether God put the dream in your heart or you put the dream in your heart. Because depending on whose dream it is, is going to depend if God's going to back it up. Because Hitler also had a dream. Right? So we need to determine whose dream it is. It is a God dream or is it a you dream? And I think sometimes God gets a bad rap for not making our dreams come to pass in our lives. But he never intended on it happening in the first place. Because there's a difference between God's promises for us and then our personal preferences. So before we get too deep and spiritual, I would like to show this video and let's take a, a few lessons from what American Idol teaches us about the dreams in our heart. Are you excited to be here? Yes, I am. How can I not be? And can you sing? Yes, I can. <laughs> and what are you going to sing today? I'm going to sing Go Down Moses. Wow. Oh, okay. Whenever you're ready. When Israel was in Egypt's land, let my people go. Oppressed so hard, they could not stand. 
Let my people go. Go down, Moses, down Egypt lane, and say, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. I'm sorry, James. Well, would you like me to sing something else? No. <sighs> All right, we can cut it right there. Let's stop the torture. I know. The, like this, the nice part of me, the pastoral side feels really bad for him, but then the other part of me is thinking like, what are you doing? <laughs> like the, so just so you know, so if you watch that full video, he let us know that um, his coworkers encouraged him to go on American Idol because he was such a great singer. And then, and then if you kept playing the video, he actually said, well, let me sing something else. They're like, no, no, no. And he starts singing again. They're like, please stop, please stop. And then afterwards, he's like, well, I'm coming back next year and I'm just gonna choose more contemporary songs. And I'm thinking, oh, sweetie, it is not the song choice. It's not the song choice. I don't believe it was God's desire for you to be the next American Idol. Like, so it was his dream. I don't think that was God's dream for his life. That was a his dream. And where did our sweet little James go wrong? Okay, so sweet little James went wrong. First area, he received counsel from his coworkers who convinced him it was a good idea. Proverbs 1.5. A wise man will hear and increase learning, and a man of understanding will attain wise counsel. Proverbs 11:14, where there is no counsel, the people fall, but in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. So if you don't know yet, if the dream that's in your heart is a God dream or a you dream, seek wise counsel. And then it says there's wisdom in a multitude of wise counselors, there's safety. There's safety. He would have been safe from embarrassment if he received wisdom from a multitude of counselors, right? So the second mistake James made was that he made the mistake of assuming because that it was God's will because it was something that he wanted. So before we give God the credit or the blame for how our story ends, we need to understand if he authored it in the first place. So as we dive into this question, I'm going to approach answering this question from the place of believing that it's been confirmed that it's a God dream, that it's not just a you dream, that it's a God dream. So that's the place I'm going to speak from today. So the title of my message is Field of Unfulfilled Dreams. Field of Unfulfilled Dreams. And I'm going to go over really quickly a few biblical examples of people who did not see the desires of their heart come to pass in the Word of God. And let's try to learn from their mistakes because that doesn't have to be our story, right? So the first thing, there's opposition. The Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy our plans and our future. In 1 Peter 5, 8, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. So we have someone who's opposing us. We have an enemy who wants to destroy our destinies. And it says he's seeking whom he may devour, which makes me believe that there are some people he cannot devour. Whom means there's some he can devour and some he can't. So I believe the ones he 
can devour are the ones that have refused to give all areas of their life over to God. And they've held on to an area and they refuse to deal with it. And so that area leaves a place in your heart for the enemy, the devil, to have a stronghold. And then he uses that against you. And we see that in the life of Judas. Judas walked with God. Judas saw all the miracles firsthand. He was a part of the greatest movement on planet earth. Yet there was an area of his heart, greed, that was left undealt with. Because the Bible says in John 13, 2, and supper being ended, the devil had already put it in the heart of Judas, Simon's son, to betray Jesus. And he betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. So Judas gave in to that opposition. He gave the enemy a foothold because he didn't deal with an issue of his heart and he gave in to that opposition. So he didn't see the desires and dreams of his heart come to pass because we know he tragically ended his life. The second example is disobedience. And we see that in Moses' life. So we know that God had called Moses out to deliver the Israelites from Egypt. He took them out of Egypt and they were wandering the wilderness for 40 years waiting to go to the promised land. Can you imagine 40 years traveling with a group of whiners and complainers in a wilderness? And for 40 years, they just wanted to get to the promised land. But then guess what happens? Moses just chooses to outright disobey God right before they were gonna enter the promised land. He disobeys him. And the Bible says in Numbers 20, 12, then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, because you did not believe me to hallow my name in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I am giving them. So for 40 years, he was desiring to enter the promised land. It said he stood at the top of the mountain and he was able to see the promised land with his eyes, but he could not enter in and he died in that place. He didn't see the desires come to pass because of disobedience. The third is an unwillingness to surrender. And we see that in the life of the rich young ruler, which you can find that story in Mark 10. But it said the rich young ruler came running to Jesus, very passionate to get to Jesus, and knelt down before him and said, what must I do to obtain eternal life? He desired eternal life. He desired to be with Jesus. But then because there was an area of his life, he was unwilling to surrender to God, which was his finances, said that he turned away from Jesus and he went away sorrowful and he did not receive the desires of his heart because he was unwilling to surrender all areas of his life to God. The fourth thing is people just quit. People quit. And we find a scripture in Galatians 6, 9. It says, and let us not grow weary while doing good for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And in the message version, it says, if you don't give up or quit. I know there are some people that just purely because they gave up too early, they did not see the desires of their heart come to pass. It was the only reason. And I love that the Bible uses the illustration of sowing and reaping in this instance, because if you think about sowing and reaping, what a farmer does, the farmer prepares the ground. He does all the lines. He puts the seeds in, he covers it up and he waters it and he nurtures it. And then what he has to do, he has to wait for the harvest. He's done all the work. He's done all the labor. He's done all the praying. Now he has to wait for the harvest. If that farmer woke up every morning, week after week, and did not see anything budding, and he, he let the discouragement come over him and he said, you know what, just forget it. It's never going to happen. And he walked away from his harvest. He would never see what's going to happen in a few weeks time, a few months time. He would never reap the harvest that he had planted if he gave up and walked away. Some people 
don't receive the desires of their heart because they quit and they give up too early. You never know when your promise is coming to pass right around that corner. Never give up. Amen. So those are just some, a few possibilities and things that happen in scripture that I thought I should just share with you that maybe we can learn from. But those situations and those people, it may be too late for them to see the desires come to pass in their heart. But for us, but for us who are still here, the Bible says that all things are possible with God and that he can make all things new and that his mercies are new every morning. So maybe some of us have been living in disobedience. Maybe some of us have been unwilling to surrender certain parts of our life to God. And maybe some of us even quit or gave up or gave into opposition. But while there is still breath in us, God is not finished with us yet. God is not finished with the story. He longs for us to, to delight ourselves in him so we can see the desires of our heart come to pass in our lives. Amen. So I want to share a few reasons why we may not have seen our desires and our dreams come to pass yet in this life. And I say, yet. The first thing, timing. It's a timing thing. I want to go back to that scripture in Galatians 6, 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will also of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. It's a season thing. It's a timing thing. You know, we moved into our house about six years ago. I was so happy because we had a little avocado tree in our backyard and soon after it started to bud and like the avocados were like the size of a grape and they were so cute and I wouldn't let my kids touch it. And, um, and then we had a connect group at our house at that time and we had a little unruly child that came along with her parents to that connect group. And I say unruly because she would climb on my countertops she would, I'd find her in my pantry, like climbing up the shelves. She would just get into my refrigerator and like take stuff out, always spilling everything. And every time, and I'm not exaggerating, every time she peed on my floor. And she was well past the potty training stage. She just was too busy playing with the other kids, so she would just pee on my floor. And then the mom wouldn't clean it up. I always had to clean it up. And I'm trying to be a good hostess, so I'm trying to be sweet. But really what I wanted to do was I kind of wanted to spank the little girl, but I really wanted to spank her parents. So this unruly child plucked all my avocado buds off my tree and threw them over the fence. I was so mad, I was so mad. But then two years later, it took two years and those buds started to come back. And sure enough, my boys wanted to pluck those things the second they saw that they were size of the grape. And I was just like, no, 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 they're so tiny. They're not ready. If you pluck them now, they're not going to be any good. And we're just going to throw them away. They're going to be useless. Don't pluck them. Not now. You see, most of us have a dream in our heart to reap some kind of harvest, right? We have a dream to get a house. We have a dream. We want a spouse. We want a child. We want an incredible business. We want to prosper financially. We want to get a home. Maybe you want to be in ministry and travel the world and speak. I don't know whatever your dream is, but every time we have a dream, it starts with a tiny seed on the inside of our hearts, and it takes time to grow. 
Sometimes there's an immediate harvest. There's a miracle. Miracles are gonna happen. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes that, that sowing stage can last a lifetime when we're praying for people who need to know Jesus in our family and it's on their deathbed after 30 years of praying, they finally come to know Jesus before they breathe their last breath. Sometimes our sowing can take a lifetime. But we're so excited about the dream. We're so excited we just want it to happen right now. Just like my boys, they wanted to pick it right now. But it was really in their immaturity and their lack of understanding that they didn't realize that there was a process that needed to take place. They wanted to rush the process. We want the dream of the harvest without going through the preparation process. And I know sometimes we think we're ready. Like, I am ready for my dream. But honestly, it got, if God gave it to us now, we'd screw it up. We don't know what we don't know. We don't know we're not ready. We don't know if we have enough character, loyalty, integrity to sustain the harvest that he wants to give us. God only knows. I know many of us want a dream home. We want our dream home. But if we're not able to manage our finances wisely now and bring our tithe and stay within our budget and pay our bills on time, if God gave us our dream home now, we would lose it. We would lose it. It's a timing thing. It's a timing thing. Respect the process. You know, my story, when we came to C3 over 10 years ago now, we really, and I share it all the time, but we really had no ambition for ministry. My husband was in real estate. I was a probation officer. We were very happy with our lives. And, uh, but the, from the first week, we came into C3 Church. We started getting all these prophecies that we were like going to be in ministry and that we were going to be preaching and like speaking in nations. And I'm like, I've never been to another nation. Like, what does that mean? Where is that? Like, I had no idea what they were talking about. And at the first, I was just kind of like, ah, like, because I had I'd never thought, it's not that I didn't love people in ministry. I just never thought of it for myself. I had no agenda, no ambition for it. But this, as soon as God started to speak those things into our hearts, it was like planted like a little seed. And then God began to kind of water it and it began to grow as I read the word of God and I began to pray and soon enough it became something that I never was interested at all to be the thing that I wanted nothing more to do because I wanted to fulfill God's call on my life you know but I will say from the time of the first prophecy it was over five years before God even let me near like with a 10-foot pole to a microphone because there were some things he had to deal with in me over those five years. I, th I was like my boys. I thought I was ready. I got the prophecy, where's the microphone? Let's do this. Like I, I totally thought it was gonna happen overnight. But then I had children, several of them, and I was at home with my kids changing poopy diapers and what I felt like doing nothing towards the call of God on my life. And he had to really teach me some things in that time. And I remember feeling frustrated, like, when is it going to be my time? When is it going to be my turn? I was exactly where I needed to be because God had to deal with me a few things over those five years before he would even trust me getting close to a pulpit. And even now, and now I'm like, oh God, you should have taken more time. You know, like now you're like, oh, I'm not ready. But, um, God had to deal with me. He had to get rid of any pride or agenda I had in my heart. He had to deal with my insecurities because you know I was crazy. I was crazy. I thought everyone was a threat. And so if I would have been, if my, God didn't deal with my insecurities, anytime someone else that would started to rise up with a gift on the inside of their life, I would have squashed him. If he didn't get to deal with my insecurities. He had to deal with, a, I had a bad attitude. I know, my husband just agreed. I had a bad attitude. 
And the worst one, I had a religious spirit. I had a religious, legalistic spirit. I was so nasty. I was so judgmental and so harsh. If you don't want to know what a religious spirit is, is those people who claim to be Christians who like to quote a lot of scripture. They usually like to quote Old Testament scriptures and they walk around condemning and judging everyone that live in the freedom, joy, and prosperity that God died to give them. That's a religious spirit. I had that. And God had to teach me that I had to be faithful with the few sheep if he was ever going to trust me with his flock. James 1.4 says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Could it be? Could it be that God is more concerned with our holiness than our immediate happiness? And could it be that God is more concerned with our future than our right now? I am sure, I'm sure of it, that Abraham would have loved to have Isaac before he was 100. Pretty sure. He had to wait a long time for that process. And Jairus, I'm sure he would have preferred that his daughter was healed when she was sick instead of having to be resurrected from the dead. God's timing is not always our timing. And I love that story in Mark 5, and it's in verses 22 and 23, when Jairus came to Jesus. He said, my little daughter lies at the point of death. Come lay your hands on her that she may be healed and she will live. And the Bible says that Jesus went with him, but on the way he was delayed. On his way to go heal the little girl, the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment and then power flowed out of Jesus and she was healed. What I love about this story is that she was already healed. She was fine. God could have just kept walking. But instead of just healing her, he turns and he sees her and he begins to speak with her and minister to her. But it was in that time of Jesus' delay that someone from Jairus' house says, why trouble the teacher any further? Your daughter is dead. And Jesus turns to Jairus and says, do not be afraid, only believe. And he continued on with Jesus. And I love that story. And Jesus goes into the house where they're all weeping and crying because their daughter had died. But Jesus was not in a hurry because he knew his delay was not gonna be, because her, 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 the grave was not her final destination. The grave was not her final destination. So it didn't matter if Jesus is not in a hurry. He is never in a hurry because even if something is dead, he can resurrect it. God's timing is not always our timing and God takes a long time to move suddenly a lot of the time. So no matter how dead your dreams may feel and seem, God can resurrect anything. He's not in a hurry, amen? And while we can't control when our dreams come to pass, what we can control is the amount of joy we have while waiting for them. Psalm 1830, as for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven and he is a shield to all who trust in him. God's timing is perfect. Point number two, prayer. It's a battle thing. Prayer, it's a battle thing. And I know we talked about opposition earlier, but I just want to expand on this. Because a lot of times people believe that God's will is going to automatically happen because he desires something for our lives or we desire it for our lives. But I would like to say this morning that 
God's will rarely happens. His perfect will rarely happens. Why? Because we have someone that is opposing it. I read earlier that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. We have an adversary who actively opposes good things in our life, who actively opposes the will of God coming to pass in our life. Ephesians 6, 12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And I love the example of this. We see this, you can read it in Daniel 10. In Daniel 10, it's the one of the times where it's like the spiritual veil of heaven is torn open and we actually get to see and to hear about the spiritual battle that takes place in the heavenlies. Because Daniel was fasting and praying for 21 days and yet no answer had come to him. And this is what happens in the Bible. It says an angelic being appeared on the 21st day. It was clothed in linen. His body was like barrel. His face was like the appearance of lightning his eyes were like a torch of fire his arms and feet like burnished bronze in color and the sound of his words was like a voice of a multitude and the angel said do not fear Daniel from the first day from day one that you set your heart to understanding and to humble yourself before your God your words were heard and I have come because of your prayers but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days and behold Michael one of the chief princes came to help me for I have been left alone there with the king of Persia and the scripture goes on and says, and now I must return to fight with the prince of Persia. So what happens on the first day that Daniel prayed his prayers, the answer was sent, the angel was sent, but then the enemy came and there was battling going on in the spiritual realms and it, he wasn't able to get to Daniel, Daniel until another angel came to help fight the battle so he could go tell Daniel, don't worry, your word is heard, the answer is on its way. And then he had to go back to continue fighting. This is why we have to pray. We have to pray, and when we pray, spiritual forces from heaven are released from heaven and brought down to earth to, to invade earth, to make things happen on our behalf. And have confidence when you pray. Have confidence. 1 John 5, 14 says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And have boldness, because Hebrews 4, 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now I wanted to share something and have the video ready, guys. Um, I wanna just tell you that there's sometimes, no matter how long we pray and how hard we pray, sometimes the result will always be unanswered prayers. Just the other night at a hometown football game, my wife and I ran into my own high school flame and as I introduced them the past came back to me and I couldn't help but think of the way things used to be she was the one that I had wanted for all time and each night I'd spend praying that God would make her mine and if he'd only grant me this wish I'd wish back then I'd never ask for anything again Everybody, Sometimes <laughs> I, I thank, thank God, God 
for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. You know, how often is that such a true story? It's like, we're, he's, and he's sharing the story of like the ex that in high school that he used to pray that God would make her his forever and he thought he wanted to be married to her for all time. But then when life continues on and he looks back, he thanks God for those unanswered prayers. And sometimes I think it's just an act of mercy and grace that God doesn't answer all of our prayers because we don't know what we don't know. You know, and uh, I think the last thing we would ever want is to be the kind of people that the Bible talks about in Romans 1. And you can read that whole chapter. It's a group of people where God longed to have their heart, but they continued just to go against God, wanting their own will and their own evil desires. And God was trying to, to reach out to them, but they kept rejecting God. So the Bible says that God finally gave them over to their own evil desires. He gave them what they wanted. And in the end, it just led to destruction and death. So sometimes we need to thank God for unanswered prayers, amen? You know, because our, our God wants to give us the desires of our heart, but when it's not in alignment with his perfect will for us, and if he knows that it can cause pain and destruction, he's not going to give it to us. And I think the verse in Psalms 37, four, where it says, um, delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I think if we spent more time delighting ourselves in the Lord, in his ways, in his word, and in prayer, understanding his promises and his purpose for our life, that his goodwill for us, his power and his presence, I think we would begin to see more of our prayers answered because our prayers would be in alignment with God's heart because we know his heart and he knows ours. So, it's a prayer thing. Point number three, it's a works thing. Works. So it's a doing thing. So we understand now that it's a timing thing, that sometimes we need to put our petitions forward in prayer, but now we need to do something. We need to do something. And James 1, 22 through 25 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself and goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty continues in it and is not a forgetful hero, but a doer of the work. This one will be blessed in what he does." There's a part for us to play in the God dreams and the desires to come to pass in our lives. And I'll use my example again. Yes, God gave us visions of being in ministry and God gave us prophecies that we were gonna be speaking and traveling to other nations and things like that. Absolutely, that was the dream that God had that he gave me and now became my dream. And he wanted more than anything for that dream to be fulfilled in my life. However, I had to do my part my part was being in the word, praying, being obedient, following his leading, going where he told me to go, doing what he told me to do, living obedient 
to him. And obviously, yes, I failed at times. And it's only by the grace of God that I even have the opportunity to begin to step into what he's called me to do. But if I had given into the opposition of the enemy, if I had given into the things that he wanted me to do, the things he tried to distract me with, if I lived a life of disobedience, if I was never in the word and I never spent time in prayer and I wasn't faithful to my husband and I was doing my own thing whenever I wanted to do it, I don't think that dream would have come to pass in my life. I had a part to play in my dreams coming to pass. We need to let God do what he can do and then we need to do what we can do, amen? And I've heard it said that the only human being that can prevent your dreams and your destiny from happening is you. The only person that can derail your dreams and your destiny from happening is you. And coming to the last point, number four, trust. It's a trust thing. You know, I would say I shared this story with some of the ladies at a cherished night a while back, but I have the honor and the privilege of being able to travel with Pastor Leanne um, on a lot of her trips when she gets to speak. And I love it. It's one of my favorite times. Our lives are so busy. We're doing the same thing, but running in the same direction. But then like everyone's all just high-fiving each other. We don't get a lot of time together. So when we get to travel together, we have like the best time. We have so much fun. I, I personally think that I'm the best sidekick ever. Like I, I love it. And uh, my goal when I'm with her is just to make sure she has everything that she needs. And um, I am her biggest cheerleader. Like, I make sure to let her know everything that she said that was awesome, and I'm the loudest cheerer, and I love it. I have the best time. And it was one of these particular conferences in another nation that I was with, Pastor Leanne, that something happened that really wounded me, and it revealed an issue in me that I needed to deal with. I was in this conference, and there was thousands of women in this place, and there were some very big names in ministry um, there, some world-class ministers, um, in the Christian world, you would consider them quite famous, incredible women. You know, and then I'm there, and I'm just trying to find my place, you know. You don't want to be too obnoxious, too standoffish. Just kind of like I was a little fish in a big pond, which I'm okay with because I think I'm funny and people like me, so I can handle that. But um, so I'm there, like kind of trying to find my place in the whole big scheme of things. And uh, at this particular conference, I was being my regular silly self. So one, one of the nights, they had a dance-off, so I'm like, pfft. I know how to dance. I have like one move. So I, I was in my full like nice outfit and I decided I'm gonna do my one break dancing move like on the floor. So I bust that out, went pretty well. And then I had the opportunity to, uh, I was speaking at a smaller session they had. So I was speaking in that and in one of the stories I was like sharing like one of my cheerleader stories. So I was like shaking, like being all silly like in when I was talking. And it just so happened that the videographer of that conference caught both those moments on camera. So during like the highlight reel, like there I was in all my glory, being crazy. You know, so it was just spinning on my back on the ground and doing a cheer. And usually I think those things are so funny and I can laugh at myself, that's why I do it, it's funny. But when everyone kind of erupted in laughter in this place, it was like, oh, I like, I kind of felt embarrassed for the first time. Like I wasn't able to laugh at myself. And I was just, I was kind of grieved, like sitting on the front row, just feeling embarrassed, wondering like what everyone thinks of me. And I just was like, that little voice was like, they only see you as the goofy one. And then I was kind of feeling sorry for myself. And then before I had too much time to wallow in my self-pity, um, 
a great friend of mine uh, who was one of the speakers at the conference got up to the pulpit and uh, I would probably consider her one of the most influential women in ministry today and she took the stage and she began to just kind of like say all these wonderful things about each and every pastor on the front row and she was going down the line saying who they were what they've done and yada yada I love them love them love them all that so I was like waiting for her to get to me thinking you know like oh what's she gonna say because uh, we like each other we're friends and uh so when she got to me while she knew my name and knew what I had done she didn't call me by my name she just introduced me as Pastor Leanne's crazy friend and can I just be honest, like I felt such a sting like in my heart. And I was like, it was instantly, I was like trying to hold back tears. And I just kind of like looked at Leanne and we looked at each other and she knew it hurt, but I just like kind of smile at myself and laugh, you know? And, uh, and just so you know, this story is not about the careless words spoken at all. This story is about the lesson that I learned through it. Um, you know, and I went back to the room that night and she was like, are you okay? Like, I felt that too. And I just like threw myself on the bed. I'm like, I don't want to be known as just the silly one. And I was like, I've worked so hard. <laughs> I just started saying like, I've worked so hard and I've dedicated so much of my life and my time to be a godly woman. And I, and I seek God and I, and I want to fulfill his plans for me. And, and I've worked so hard and I'll gladly be spent and spend for the, to hear, like to have the gospel preached and I just felt so grieved and I just laid there and I just wondered like how people would perceive me now. Because from one of the most influential people in today's women's ministry, all that was said was I'm crazy and then there was the video clips to back it up. And there was all these people and I just was like, how is this gonna impact my future? Like, is this gonna affect it? Is everyone ever gonna take me seriously? And as I sat there just kind of crying and being silly, I felt the Holy Spirit so strongly say, since when has man ever promoted you? Since when has man ever promoted you? And I felt such a sense of peace. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me of these scriptures. Psalm 118.6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Revelations 3.8, Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. James 4.10, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. You know, if I'm being honest, it took me, I think, a few weeks to actually resolve the wound that that created in my heart. And I don't think it, that was done to me. I think God allowed it to happen to expose something in me that I didn't even know was in me. Up until that point, it's hard to admit, but I think I was putting my trust in man to promote me. I didn't even realize it. And God was exposing that it is God and God alone that's gonna fulfill the dreams and the desires inside of your heart. Can I get an amen? 